Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Breakouts, a podcast where we interview extraordinary founders in just under 20 minutes. I'm your host, Akshay Kosla. Now, you'll find many podcasts out there that are two to three hours long and interview these wildly successful founders after they've already made it big. But by that point, the founders are already 5, 10, or even 15 years into their journey, so their insights just aren't as actionable anymore. We're doing things a little bit different. We're interviewing founders that are on the cusp of breaking out so that you can learn the playbooks they're using to build category-defining companies today. And we're doing it in just under 20 minutes. Now, just before we get started, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at The Breakouts Pod, subscribe to this YouTube channel, and join our Discord community for aspiring founders. The link is in the description below. And I think that's everything I have for you. So without further ado, here's today's guest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Breakouts. Today, we have a phenomenal guest for you. We have Andy Schoonover from Crowd Health. He's the co-founder and CEO. Andy, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. Really excited to have you on the pod. Let's get straight into it. So, Andy, tell us a little bit more about what you're building and what problem you're solving. Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of background, a little context. I was running a healthcare technology company few years back. And as such, I had my health insurance through that company. About 50% of us have our health insurance through our companies. I sold that. I transitioned out over a couple of years and as such, no longer had health insurance. So went to healthcare.gov, got a plan for me, my wife, and my two girls and about 1200 bucks a month. And it, I kind of joked it. It worked until I had to use it. I, my little <laughs> one who was one at the time was having recurring ear infections. And so we went to the ear, nose and throat doctor who told us that she needed tubes in her ears. So off we went to the hospital, got tubes in her ears. It was a 15 minute procedure, got the bill. It was $8,000. I was like, wow. That's crazy. $1,000 for 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, you know, this is what insurance is for. Like that's the point of health insurance, right? Is to take care of these big, big bills. And I got a note in the mail from my health insurance plan that said it was medically unnecessary. And so they were going to refuse to to pay for it. Um, this, despite the fact that her, our ear, nose and throat doc said she had a hole in her eardrum and he was so worried about her long-term hearing that he delayed his vacation by a day. So I knew it was medically necessary, but anyway, I called my health insurance plan. I said, all right, well, fine. If you aren't going to pay my bills, I'm not going to pay your bills. And I quit health insurance and I have been uninsured for the last, oh, two years, maybe a little longer. And I, and during that time I figured out, I was like, Hey, is there a way to operate outside of health insurance? You know, I saw a stat mm. the other day that 83% of us who are in health insurance don't actually use the health insurance that we're paying these premiums for. So only 17% of people make it through their deductibles. I was like, there's gotta be a different way. So you know, in short, what we're doing at Crowd Health is is trying to provide people tools to let them operate outside of the legacy health insurance system. Really interesting, Andy. I've I've taken a look at your website and it seems like you guys are doing some really cool stuff. I'm curious, do you think that the purpose of this is to be a replacement that, hey, instead of using health insurance, you use Crowd Health? Or is it to augment it? Like, for example, someone that already has health insurance, in case they have denied claims, they would go to a solution like this. Mm. Yeah, you know, our goal really is to see a world without health insurance. I think that's probably, I'm, 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 I'm the minority in that. I think 
we should be uninsured. More people should be uninsured, not less people. And that's totally contrary to everything you hear in the media. So I get it. Your listeners will probably be like, this guy's a nut job. But I think there are so many perverse incentives within the health insurance space that we're actually better off if we don't have health insurance. You know, for thousands of years, the way that we've operated was our community would gather around us if we were had a, a health problem and would take care of us, right? And so we want to bring that community aspect back to healthcare. It wasn't until the 1970s that the health insurance plans kind of stuck themselves in between us and our people in our community. And so we're trying to take that health insurance plan back out and all the kind of administrative costs and the perverse incentives and things like that, which I can talk more about. And as such, we think that healthcare costs can be about 50% of what they are today. So if you're going to go jump over to Crowd Health, it's about 50% of what you'd pay on, on healthcare.gov. And I can talk about all the reasons for that, but um, we think it's way more efficient not to have health insurance. And again, I know that's out there, but I'm happy to kind of walk through why that would, why that is. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Why don't we walk through it? I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how the different features that you have differ from health insurance. So for example, deductibles, co-pays, denial percentages, things like that. Sure. Yeah. I think one of the, the biggest issues that we have with health insurance is that we have you know, what economists call a principal agent problem, right? Yeah. We are the principal, the agent is our health insurance plan. They are supposed to be acting in our best interest, but in fact, they are for-profit entities that act in their best interest, which often conflicts directly with our best interest. You know, and so people ask me a lot, they say, why are healthcare costs so high? Why are healthcare costs so much, so much higher in the United States versus other countries and things like that? Well, it's not that hard to understand. You know, you've got the, the buyers of healthcare health plans who are for-profit entities, and they actually want premiums to go up. I know this mm -hmm. is a shock to people, but there's, there's something in the Affordable Care Act that was about 10 or 12 years ago that said health insurance plans can only make 15% of premiums as profit. So if my family's paying $1,000 of premiums, they can only make $150 worth of profit. So how do they make $165 worth of profit? They jack my premiums up by 10%. So there's actually an incentive for health insurance plans to see premiums go up. So you have the buyer of, of, of healthcare. They want, the, they want prices to go up. The sellers of healthcare, which are these big hospital systems primarily, they clearly want prices to go up. So you have the buyers of healthcare and the sellers of healthcare wanting the prices to go up. Guess what happens? the prices go up. Right. And so those are the perverse incentives. There's no consumerism in currently in healthcare. And so me as an individual, I actually am better at negotiating prices for myself than United Healthcare is. And they're the seventh largest company on the planet in terms of revenue. So we have a, an, a principal agency problem and we have a lack of consumerism. And those things kind of are working together to keep health prices, you know, inflated. That's really fascinating. If insurance carriers are limited in terms of how much profit they can take from each person and their premiums go up, where does that money go? Where does the additional premium go? Because they're only allowed to take, what, 15% or yeah. something around there, right? That's right. 15, um, 15 to 20, depending upon the type of plan. So does it go to middlemen? Does it go to hospitals, clinics? Where does that additional money go? I mean, it's primarily going to hospitals. You know, what, that's the price... You know, interestingly, if, if you look at 
the healthcare that we consume in the United States versus the healthcare that's consumed in other developed countries, the utilization actually isn't that different. Um, mm. And in fact, the United States is kind of average in terms of utilization, even though we're double the price. So on average, things in the United States are twice as expensive, oftentimes three or four times more expensive than our counterparts, you know, overseas in developed countries. Um, or even you can go just go north into Canada and our prescription costs are five or six times more expensive. Our MRIs are three or four times more expensive, those types of things. And so we really do have a, a utiliz or a, excuse me, a price problem in the United States. And it's primarily the hospital systems who are driving this. You can go in today and see a primary care physician for a hundred bucks, pretty much everywhere in the country. There's some exceptions. But, you know, I can, and I can, I can see that primary care physician for on average, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, right? It's a hundred dollars. Right. So go back to my original example. I'm in the hospital now, right? And I'm, I have a 15 minute procedure and that's candid, you know, like, obviously that's a little more sophisticated of a procedure, obviously, than going just to see my primary care physician, but still mm. 15 minutes, $8,000. And so it's really when you get into the hospital systems that we're having the pricing issues because they have so much pricing power. Even if the hospitals, or excuse me, even if the health insurance plans wanted to negotiate with them, these hospitals have so much local power that it's nearly impossible to negotiate with them. So that's the challenge that we, we have. That's crazy. I think I read a statistic somewhere where if you look at the average compensation for a physician across the United States, not a specialist, just some, you know, an average physician, it's around $240,000. The average revenue per physician that each hospital earns is $2.4 million. So it seems like there is some kind of huge disparity that hospitals are, are responsible for. So that's cool. I think I want to shift our conversation just a little bit back to when you originally started the company. You obviously faced this problem yourself. But from facing the problem yourself to developing a strong enough level of conviction in it to say that, hey, I'm actually going to go chase this. What are some of the steps that you took or what convinced you that this is actually, one, a huge problem and two, something that's fixable? Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of walked through this right firsthand, as I mentioned. And as I was doing some research on this, I was like, man, is $8,000 really the cost of doing a 15 minute ear tubes in my daughter's ears? And Come to find out, it wasn't. I had, I started talking to the ear, nose, and throat doctors, and they were saying, well, you know what? We do these in our office for a third of that to a quarter of that, depending upon who it was. So I, I knew that there were other options out there that I didn't even know about, but I, I just had to go where my health plan wanted me to go. And so I was like, man, if we could get people to go to lesser expensive options, I know that we can reduce the price for people, right? I mean, I just did the mm. research. I know that our health plans are paying way too much money for the services that are being provided. And so if we could get people to think like a consumer and actually allow us to shop for them, to find them a really great doc at a really good price, I know that that individual would have healthcare costs significantly less than, you know, if they were to pay for through a health insurance plan. So, you know, it took me about six to nine months of, of that type of work to say like, you know what, I can, I, let's, let's give this a rip and let's, let's see based upon our own personal experience, 
and just doing research about some of the alternatives in, in healthcare, I really thought that we could make a, make a go of it. That's really cool. And when did you think that, hey, you had talked to enough people to the point where your conviction was high enough to actually pursue this? Yeah, I think that um, there's, it, there's kind of an interesting concept in startups that you're never going to get to 100%, right? Never going to get to 100% comfort that it's going to work <laughs> right you know, can you get to 80 percent comfort right and it, even when you're the ceo or whatever within a startup like can you get to an 80 percent comfort comfortability whatever that word is the level and then make a decision on it right and so you know i felt like i got to a place which was 80 percent comfort and you know that that last 20 percent takes a long time and and a lot of times you know, big organizations feel like they have to have a hundred percent probability of it being successful before you go. And mm. a lot of us, I think are wired a little bit differently. And they're like, Hey, as long as I got an 80% shot, eight out of 10 times, I'm going to, I'm going to be right. You know, and two out of 10 times I'm going to be wrong. And are you okay being wrong two out of 10 times? And so I got to that place of being 80%. I got 80%, by the way, on a lot of tests. So I was comfortable you know, getting, getting an 80. And so, you know, and so I, I was just comfortable at that some point where I was like, let's just make her make a go out of this. The other thing too, is I went out and raised VC and, you know, you run this by enough VCs and you're going to be told no lots of times, but if you can find a couple of VCs that say yes, then you know, you're not totally crazy, right? There are right. other people look at this the same through the same lens you do and say, you know what, this is worth a shot. You know, from my perspective, there's a high probability of it not, work. but if it worked, it could revolutionize the way we pay for healthcare. And I think that's mm. a big enough missional opportunity to take a swing at. Because that, me, from my perspective, it's like, this is a missional thing for me that lots of people are being put in really bad financial situations because of healthcare. And so let mm. me take a swing at trying to fix it. That makes sense. It's definitely a worthwhile problem to tackle. When developing conviction, go as far as you can see, and then you'll be able to see further. So definitely resonate with a lot of what you just said there. I'm curious, what's your business model? How are you pricing? How many customers do you currently have? Yeah, you know, so when we started this, we looked at the health insurance space and we said, okay, the perverse incentives of healthcare, meaning the more money, the, the higher the premiums, the more money you make is what is a key lever of rising healthcare costs. So we wanted to do something totally different than that. You know, so our primary revenue right now is a subscription, right? You subscribed to our platform. And as a part of that subscription, we provide you with all these tools, which we think are allow you to viably pay for large or small healthcare costs. And so we have a straight subscription fee. Right now we have 2000 members who signed up. We started a year ago. We have 2000 people who've, who've signed up thus far. We're growing, you know, 300 to 400 a month. And so they're seeing some, some nice growth. And, and I think it's really, truly because we're totally aligned with our members. The, the more members we have, the easier it is for them to pay for the bills. And I can talk about the mechanics of that, but you know, so we are incentivized to grow the community and that helps the community. And so, um, we think it's a great, great subscription-based business model. That's really interesting. I'm curious, are there certain cases or certain types of members that this works better for? For example, like patients that are high risk and have pre-existing conditions versus patients that are low risk have no pre-existing conditions. Is there one that it works better for? Does the pricing differ at all between the two? Yeah, the pricing doesn't, doesn't differ depending upon your 
your demographic other than age. So if you're between the age of six and 54, it's 175 bucks a month. If you're younger, it's a little bit more. If you're older, it's a little bit more. But, you know, and then the, for pre-existing conditions, you know, the only thing we ask you when you jump in is you're responsible for your pre-existing conditions in that first year. And then the community will help you with those pre-existing conditions after that. So like, look, if you want to become a part of the community, you can't just jump on and, you know, and smack people with a big condition and expect them to pay for it. You have to own that for the first year. So, and then if you are over 300 pounds, if you're a male or over 260 pounds, if you're a female, we ask you get below that threshold before you join. And so those are the, the big ones. The only other one is if you're a tobacco user, um, then we're, we don't allow you to be a part of the community only because those people are five times more expensive to take care of than non-tobacco users. So, you know, I think the, the, the community is a good community for people who are, who want to take personal responsibility for their own healthcare, mm-hmm. who are willing to do a little bit more, you know, shopping and not just show up with your credit, with your insurance card and expect it to get paid for. So we make you do a little bit more work up front. Like if you want to get a, a colonoscopy, you know, call us and let us try to find you a really good place to get a colonoscopy in wherever you live. I live in Austin. And so we'll call around to all the GIs in Austin and find them a really good doc and at a really good price. So, you know, at Austin, a, a health plan will pay about $3,000 for a colonoscopy. If you go with Crowd Health, we have GIs in Austin or almost any large city across the country that'll do it for between $800 and $1,200. And so, you know, we can save you a significant amount of money if you'll let us just shop for this. We're not asking people to shop themselves. We're asking them to allow us to shop for them and give them some options. That's very interesting. I'm curious, within the larger landscape of players that are competing in the space, potentially, you know, replacing health insurance, do you th- think that you have competitors at the moment? And how do you feel like you break out from those competitors? Yeah, I think that the other competitor out there, there's a couple that are trying to be alternative to your traditional health insurance. I think Sidecar, which is a West Coast company, I think they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars at, you know, over the last few years. They're doing something. It is traditional insurance. We're not insurance. You know, we're an alternative to insurance. They are insurance, but they do a little bit of a model. It's more like indemnity insurance, which basically means they will pay a certain amount for a certain procedure. So for example, if my daughter goes into a pediatrician, sidecar will pay, I don't know exactly what the number is. Let's just say it's 150 bucks. If it's more than 150 bucks, you're responsible for it. If it's less than 150 bucks, then they'll give you the difference, right? And so in essence, what they're doing is make you negotiate for that, that rate. And so that's the big differentiator for us is like, we do that negotiating for you. And I, I just don't, I'm not comfortable negotiating with my own doctor. You know, I don't like negotiating for, you know, a used car either. I'm just, that's not my personality. And I just think most people don't particularly want to negotiate. They just want to go in and know it's a great price. Um, and so We'll do all that negotiation for you. And that's kind of the big differentiator between us and some of these alternative forms of healthcare, you know, uh, healthcare payment plans. That makes sense. So it's mainly the, the fact that you negotiate on the patient's behalf to get them better prices, right? Right. And then there's no networks. One of the things mm. that I know my wife hates is networks. Like what doc can we go to? What doc can't we go to? Those types of things, you know, and for us, you can go to any doctor you want. All we ask is like, 
at least let us negotiate a good price for you. You know, if you want to go to Dr. Mm-hmm. Smith, go to Dr. Smith. Let us, you know, talk to Dr. Smith before you go to see if we can get a great price. And uh, so we, we don't limit you at all in terms of what doctors that you want to go to. So that's another differentiator between us and traditional health insurance and some of these alternatives. That's very fascinating. All right, Andy, I think we're coming up on time here for this first episode. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared so far today. Right before we wrap up, I wanted to ask, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Are you hiring? I know you guys just raised recently. Feel free. Yeah, no, we we are hiring. We raised our A round a couple of weeks ago, I guess three or four weeks ago now. So we are hiring. If you want to go, if you're interested in joining CrowdHealth, send us your CV at a at joincrowdhealth.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Cool. And what about uh, if our listeners want to connect with you? Where's the best place to follow you? LinkedIn, Twitter? Yeah. Twitter is probably the best at join crowd health is the corporate handle at schoonover. Andy is my personal would love to follow you there. If you're interested in healthcare at all, I, I have some pretty edgy takes on, on healthcare and our system. And so we'd love for you to, to, to follow and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Cool. 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 Well, that's it folks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the breakouts. We'll see you next time for part two. All right, and that wraps up today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Now, just before I let you go, I wanted to reiterate one thing. We're trying to build the best podcast out there for aspiring entrepreneurs. And to do that, we need your help. The best way you can help us is by joining our Discord community. The link is in the description below. And then leaving us feedback. Tell us how we did. Tell us how we can improve. We're eagerly waiting to hear from you. Other than that, show us some love and follow us on Twitter at The Breakouts Pod. And I think that's everything I have for you. We'll see you next time on The Breakouts.